Welcome back, everyone, to the Flying Lion podcast. Sam, we're into our off-season edition of the Flying Lion at this point. We said we were going to do every other week, but all this news keeps coming out in FCC land, man. But I'm kind of excited about it. A um, lot to talk about tonight. Uh, but first off, Sam, how are we doing? Yeah, doing good. Um, like you said, all this news just keeps coming out and, you know, we have to talk about it, right? So um, if, if you've been catching up with us on, on Twitter, we've been saying some stuff on there as well as um, Instagram, trying to stay um, up to date on everything, giving our opinion on different things. Um, and I'm just happy to to put it to voice now. Yeah, I mean, you see it all kind of unfold. We tweet about it, you know, in the moment, but to be able to like talk about our feelings about it, kind of sounds weird to talk about our feelings, but like, you know what I mean, Sam? I mean, it, it's good to actually talk about things that are relevant to next year. Some of the current issues going on within the MLS, a little bit outside of the, you know, MLS as well. Um, this episode's really going to be kind of a review of this past week in news. We'll go over a little bit of some transfer rumors, some guys rumored to be coming into FC Cincinnati. Um, we'll jump into a little bit of the U.S. Open Cup fiasco that's going on and uh, quickly run over the MLS Super Draft. So that will really be the first part of the episode. And then by the second half, we're going to do a pretty good roster breakdown and then some transfers that we'd love to see um, joining FC um, with all this stuff coming out. I mean, you know, we're adding players as of last week already, Sam. Um, you know, it's been within two weeks since our last game. And, you know, it's crazy that the roster is already starting to kind of transform like this. So let's dive into it. Um from last week, you know, right after we did our recording, um, I had to FaceTime you guys because I was looking at Twitter and I was seeing or X, whatever you want to call it. And I was seeing this rumor that Miles Robinson had visited FC Cincinnati, Sam. What would you make of this? Yeah, they, they really rolled out the red carpet for him. It sounded like uh, based off of the tweets and, um, you know, reporting that was done, it had his name going across the lights on TQL Stadium. Um, so that, that's pretty interesting right there. Um, but obviously the more you look into it, uh, more news that's, that's coming out, um, as of recent this week, um, you know, Atlanta had offered him max Tam, right. As of recent. Um, and so I know we had talked about not only in our chat, but also on Twitter and stuff that, you know, the only way FC Cincinnati could compete with that is if they, if they, you know, match it, um, which once again, then it's up to miles. Does he have time or, you know, is it time to move on from Atlanta or, you know, if he wants to be a partner in the back line with a guy like Matt Miazga, I think, you know, this could be a good opportunity for him to um, come to FC Cincinnati and play with a guy that, you know, both, both guys kind of on the outs of the U S men's national team. And it could kind yeah. of help each other get back in um, as kind of like a tandem, um, so coming into 2026, I think, you know, they could definitely help each other out in big ways. Yeah, I mean, good call for those not familiar. Uh, Miles Robinson, um, Atlanta United center back, um, U.S. men's national team, kind of fringe starting center back as well. He unfortunately had lost his spot and couldn't make it to the World Cup last year. He tore his Achilles playing on turf. So, Sam, my question to you is, you know, does this play into things? Atlanta, you know. Offered him this money. He's 26, going to be 27 soon. He's had kind of this history of injuries, um, but has been a solid, solid center back. So if he's going to make the leap to Europe, it's now. Um, again, for those not familiar, 
you know, especially players in the MLS, um, they make their jump over to Europe pretty early on. Usually Um, in your prime of your soccer career is kind of your mid to late twenties. So if he's going to do that and fulfill maybe a possible dream, he's got to do that sooner than later. But the issue might be if he goes there, is he competing for a spot? Is he a fringe player that maybe isn't getting as many minutes? And then I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah. I I think that's the biggest thing right there. I I think, if you look at his career right now, it has a similar trajectory to what, you know, Miazga did, right? So ideally miles would go over to Europe and then would find his way back in the MLS. Like that's, you know, that's what it feels like would happen if he does decide to go to Europe. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, hopefully once again, for us men's national team's sake, hopefully he finds success in Europe and is able to play and as a mainstay, kind of like Tim Ream, Anthony Robinson, um, guys that are in the back lines of, you know, premier league clubs. Um, but I, I mean, biased, right. We want him <laughs> here at FC Cincinnati, right. That's why we're talking yeah. about him. Uh, but yeah, FC Cincinnati definitely rolled out the red carpet for him last week. We really wanted to bring him in. I think he'd be a solid replacement for mascara, which at this point seems a little bit more unlikely that he'd come, but you know, miles Robinson, 27 caps for us men's national team, three goals, if he's setting himself up to play in 2026 World Cup in the U.S., he's got to keep consistent minutes. And he'd be paid higher, arguably, here than he would over in Europe. Um, so I think in Miles' eyes, you know, first day of free agency, he comes and visits FC Cincinnati. I think his team kind of put out the ones he was interested in um, and were competitive. You know, I mean, we look what we did this year. I think he wants to join that. Um, and I'm excited to see hopefully in the next couple of weeks um, that we're, we're signing Miles Robinson. That'd be an awesome addition to the back line. Um, Sam, moving on from that, you know, that was earlier on in the week. Um, we talked a little bit about, you know, Kip Keller coming and joining FC Cincinnati. I don't think we need to really go into that anymore. But by the end of the week, we had some big news. Um, on Friday, you know, it seems like the end of the day type thing that the MLS is trying to brush under the rug a little bit and not have people see. But the U.S. Open Cup, which is this in-season tournament um, put on by the U.S. Soccer Federation, um, the MLS had actually put in writing that they were not going to submit the MLS uh, professional teams, you know, rosters from, you know, allowing them to play in this U.S. Open Cup. Um, that was, you know, at the end of last week by today, U S soccer federation denies the MLS's, um, you know, wanting to have this situation happen. And I have a lot of thoughts about it. This tournament's been around for a long time. It's been since 1914. It's a historic one in the U S it's similar to the FA cup over in England. Um, so you're playing all, you know, levels of soccer here in this tournament. Um, And that's how we kind of got our name in FC Cincinnati. We made the semifinals um, and that's how people started to know us. So for us to not be able to play in this with our professional team, but potentially the MLS next pro team, you know, some of the younger guys, I think it would have been a shame. And I'm glad that U.S. Soccer Federation, I'm wearing my shirt tonight, stepped up and uh, actually is, you know, not allowing this to happen because, this is how memories are made. This is how special moments are made. Sam, I think you can go into a little bit of that too. I know you're going to talk on that. Yeah. You know, going into this, my, my, my first initial thought was similar to yours of like, this has been around for so long and it means so much to not only just, you know, the MLS or, you know, USL championship teams, 
it means a lot to U.S. soccer. Just it's in the soccer culture of the U.S., right? Um, and, you know, I'm, we, we're big fans of Don Garber. He's done phenomenal work for the MLS, really made it grow to what it is today. Yeah. But then you have things like this where it's just a huge setback as far as like how much confidence we have in him to grow not only the game of soccer in the U.S., but also the MLS growth, right? And this is one of those things where if you want to be a part of growing soccer in the U.S., you need to continue doing the things that got you to that growth point that you're at right now. You know what I mean? Like like I said, he's mm -hmm. done a phenomenal job to grow the game. And if you're just going to go, ah, we're gonna we're gonna grow the MLS now. Not we're not we're not gonna you know help out soccer as a whole in the U.S. That then then I don't I don't get you know the whole point yeah. of that. And to your point, I, I think great move by U.S. soccer to protect the game that is on an upwards trajectory in the states. I mean, look at how your USL teams are developing. You know, Sam, for you currently living in Indianapolis. Uh, Indy 11, you know, they're building a billion dollar soccer facility to play in a tournament that potentially might not even matter anymore where they're not playing MLS teams. I mean, what a moment for Indianapolis, Louisville, Pittsburgh for these other markets that maybe don't have MLS teams to play their professional teams against these, um, you know, the top league in, in uh, the U.S. So, you know, for me, to grow the game, like you said, in the U.S., you know, you need to have that interest. You need to get fans interested like you've seen. I mean, there's a potential that you could have um, a Miami FC team, you know, not inner Miami, um, but Miami FC, you know, a lower division team playing Messi. I mean, can you imagine the storylines of some of those upsets potentially? And I mean, it's like March Madness type things that you can see out of this tournament. Um I just think it would be a shame to have that go away. And I'm glad that they're pushing back. Yeah. So I, I don't want to, I don't want to name names, um, but I was recently a player and I asked him, you know, about this question. Um, and he had told me that it really comes down to player bonuses. And the mm. fact that with the introduction of leagues cup, players are more willing and wanting to play for leagues cup rather than the open cup, because there is less player bonuses. If you win, you know, certain games move on to certain rounds. See, so that's a shame. That yeah. does have an impact, but, but it really see, that's does. the thing of like these international players that come into the MLS and have been coming into the MLS don't understand the history of the U S open. Sure. Cup like the States players would if right. you were to come up through an academy or come up through the USL championship teams to an MLS. Well, look at how, you know, Americans view the FA cup though. I mean, now we can start to get a sense of what it means to teams over there. We're starting to get, you know, teams like Wrexham that could potentially make it in the FA cup. And we know of Wrexham. So why not continue in this trend of building the U S open cup to that level that, now, you know, other countries appreciate it and say, oh, well, that's very similar to our domestic cup. You know, if you're going to say Leagues Cup is our domestic one, it's really not. We're playing Mexican teams. We're playing Liga MX. Um, so it, it is basically the U.S. planting this seed. So two years ago, they started Leagues Cup and it was not a part of any, you know, sort of competition. It was just friendlies. Well, last year, they put incentive to it. 
And now I think this was their final push to basically take sole control of soccer in the U.S. Um, the MLS wanted to have all of the games broadcast, you know, for soccer through Apple TV. And if you look at U.S. Open Cup, you had to watch it on YouTube. You know, you'd have to watch these live games that way. I mean, the structure of it was poor and they're trying to kind of take control of this and the money, Sam, like you said, the money is the key in all of this. If, um, you know, Houston Dynamo wins the U.S. Open Cup last year, they get $300,000 in bonuses to spread between the players that played in the tournament. Um, Leagues Cup, well, MLS maybe can pay out more because of, you know, Apple TV viewership and things like that. So if we're going to keep this historic tournament, U.S. soccer has got to put some funding into it. They need to put some incentives to it um, to get fans to go uh, and to really support it. And maybe this in this offseason, it creates more interest. That's my hope with all of this and that people really understand the value of it. Um and to actually, to be honest with you, to drop League's Cup or to think about restructuring it because it's a full month that now we're missing. We'll talk about it with the um, you know MLS roster that dropped today. Uh, this really changes how teams go about that part of the year. Um, same thing with U.S. Open Cup, but it's during the MLS season. You know, you have matches usually on Wednesday nights versus League's Cup takes up its own month. So it's very interesting. Um <laughs> We could go on and on and on about this, Sam, but um, I think we can we can move on from U.S. Open Cup. It'll be interesting to see what happens, though. Yep. Any other final thoughts from that? No, I, I think yeah, I think we we said it all there. Um, obviously, it's something that's near and dear to U.S. soccer, and I'm, I'm once again I'm just happy they protected it. Um, but moving on, um, we had huge news yesterday. Um, for MLS Super Draft 2024, um, FC Cincinnati had two picks this year: um, first round pick, second round pick. And man, I mean, we took two guys <laughs> that we kind of needed those those roles. We needed youth in those roles, right? right? Um, I think, yeah, I think last year, right, it showed, or this past season, last year, we have midfield depth right. As far as youthfulness at mm -hmm. the midfield position, um, this MLS super draft, we pick up two guys there that we need youthfulness at right center back or CDM and a forward. Um, so I'll, I'll let you explain a little bit on who we selected. Yeah. I mean, this is the latest we've ever picked in the super draft. That was going to be my first comment. So that's a good thing. We're moving in the right direction. Um, again, for those not familiar, the super draft uh, historically has been MLS teams get to basically choose similar to an NFL draft from college players. Uh, in the past, it had only been upperclassmen this year. They kind of opened it up to some younger um, players, especially for the um, generation Adidas contracts, which are kind of like guaranteed contracts. Usually those players are in the top five um, picks. So with us being the 27th pick, um, we picked Brian Schaefer, who was a defender from University of South Florida. Um, don't know a ton, you know, honestly about this guy, but seemed like he was a pretty solid defender. He had an unbelievable bicycle kick goal that I actually watched um, last night. So shout out to him for that. Um, I know this dude um, has a photo of him with his buddy holding a shark 
um, I think I saw on his Instagram as well. <laughs> so uh, he's in for a little bit of a surprise coming, you know, to Cincinnati. We don't have any sharks in the Ohio River. Maybe we do. I don't know. Who knows? Um, so but every, uh, every, something's living in the, in the Ohio River. Something right. is like it's some toxic monster, I swear. <laughs> but I think you're right. To your point, I mean, another youthful um, defender. I think he traditionally has been more of an outside type back, um, which, you know, Halsey's young. We have, um, you know, a plethora of other young defenders now with Murphy, um, Joey Akinonu from last year in the Super Draft. Um, I think we had another guy from Air Force too, but he didn't play, you know, with the first team. So now we have some young guys, whether that's, um, you know, he's playing on the second team, maybe he'll get some minutes. Um, We've really lucked out, Sam, two years ago with Celentano and Murphy, though, for their instant contributions. Um, on the back end yep. of the draft in the first round, it's a little bit harder to get these guys immediate minutes and they have to make the roster, uh, is the big thing, you know, in the training, they're really fighting for a contract and those supplemental spots. Yeah. I, I think, you know, with Brian, I, I think to your point, dude, six, three. So I, I think he'll eventually become either a center back or a CDM. Um, it could be a good six. I mean, depending on, you know, uh, it, it could be like a good kind of mix. You know, if he progresses well, I think I know we don't usually like to see Obi come out of the game, but if it becomes one of those things where Obi's tired or something, then he, he you could put him at the six and have a bigger, taller, stronger guy to, you know, maybe see out the rest of the game. Right. Sure. Um, might be I, better at clearing out a lot more balls towards the end of the game, but yeah. Um, I think you yeah. still have Angulo and Pinto kind of as like your your true backups now in, in the young sense of the center no, mid yeah. area. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, if this guy shows out and can shows he you know fits in, then then we'll see. But um our second pick though and final pick of the super draft was the fifty-six pick. Um Sam, I was pretty pumped about this one. Kenji Mamba Dem, uh University of Dayton Flyer. So pumped about that. The second one here in um, three years that, you know, FC Cincinnati has picked. It's a double win for me being a grad from there. Um, he's a forward too. Um, he transferred in last year and had nine goals and three assists in only 15 games. He was first team um, Atlantic 10, scored a nice goal in the uh, tournament for them in the A-10 as well. Um, Pacey um, striker from what I can see. He's got a pretty solid left foot as well. Um, I saw a couple goals on his left, but it, I think he's traditionally right-footed. Pretty big striker as well. Um, I think you're going to maybe comment on that, but should be a similar potential type build to how Brandon Vasquez is, is kind of a, a comparable person, I would say, um, in terms of a player style. Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head. Um as far as having that clutch gene he seems to have, um, you know, I was looking even back at some clips when before he transferred to Dayton from uh, when he was at Omaha, he actually scored a couple big goals as well. So um, having that clutch gene is definitely something that you need as a striker, especially when it comes late, you know, and you, you need a goal, um, your cool, calm, collected can put it away in the back of the net. So um, we'll see if we can get him you know, some minutes, if not, you know, loan him out somewhere. So that way he can, um, and hopefully he develops into a, a pretty good player. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, like I said before, um, our guys from last year, 
Didn't really contribute a ton. Um, the MLS Super Draft picks we had, you know, I think Apononu had a few games in U.S. Open Cup. Um, I don't think he really got an MLS minute, to be honest with you, and neither did the other two guys. But we'll see. I, I think that um, they're pieces for the future. And, you know, now there's so many outlets for these guys to grow. Um and with so many games, you know, in our schedule, there's going to be plenty of uh, time for them to maybe earn minutes. So talking on the the plethora of games, Sam, the MLS 2024 uh, schedule, it, it dropped today. Um, I was pretty pumped to see, you know, at least a few games that I was going to touch on. Um, kind of crazy to me that, you know, we start up um, pretty early on, but I was looking back to last year. It seems like it's pretty comparable. Our first game is going to be on February 25th. It's a Sunday. We're playing Toronto at home. So another home um, game to start the year, which will be exciting. It's three days after we go down to Jamaica, however. And then three days after that, we play the Jamaican side at home again. So three games in six days um, will be kind of interesting to see. Um, And then at the very beginning of the season, Sam, um, last year we played, I didn't realize this, we played seven Western Conference teams to start the year, I believe. Um, And then this year, I think it's all Eastern Conference teams. So it's slightly different. Um, Some big games that you're kind of looking out for. Yeah, I think think you'll touch on more of the home fixtures. Uh, But as far as away fixtures, you know, the ones that stand out to me as far as people that we don't normally play, um, Dallas, Minnesota, San Jose. Um, I originally was looking forward to the Minnesota one. However, <laughs> Eric Dick no longer on Minnesota United FC. Um, so that that kind of sucks. But um, yeah, I think the the schedule drop was really good. And I thought it would the like the video and taking shots at, at multiple teams, I thought was very on point. And it was awesome. They did a phenomenal job with, um, I do want to note that a couple that may have flew under the radar. Um, I appreciated the Atlanta turf one. Um, <laughs> that was, that was one that I, I thought was really, I thought you were going to touch on that with, uh, with Miles in there, yeah, but, yeah. um, yeah. And then the other one with St. Louis and Nashville and then Pat saying, you know, it's not really a rivalry. Right. right. So I thought those two were the ones that, that stood out to me. There's a lot of Easter eggs in the drop. Um, if you look at the, they did kind of this video to release the schedule and it was on a bulletin board with the map of the U S and then kind of the bullet points as to where they're going to play. Um, like Sam said, they kind of alluded to each team with different ways to kind of do subtle jabs at them. Um, you had SpongeBob, you know, shaped as Texas, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, you had, uh, I think another one that was cool to me was DC. Um, I think they might be uh, hinting at Lucho getting close to getting his U.S. citizenship. It had a paper form um, for citizenship and a photo of Lucho in front of the U.S. flag. So something to pay attention to. I think they did some subtle drops in that. Um, one that stands out to me, um, February 16th, it looks like is going to be our Jersey drop. They're having an event at an art gallery that they dropped on the bulletin board. So I was like, oh man, I'm pumped for that. Um, so that, and then, uh, I think they had Kip Keller at the top and then they had about seven other open spots for roster like additions. Um, so I don't know, man, we got, a we got a couple months and he's going to be adding some people 
I guess, pretty quick in that sense. So, um, but yeah, to touch on the home games, um, I think LAFC towards the end of the year is a big one. Um, and then uh, obviously the crew game, you know, later on this year at home in September versus last year, which was at home earlier in the year. Um, our last several games, Sam, in general, are just very, very tough. Um, multiple teams that are, you know, good playoff teams at the very end of the year. Philly coming down as the last one um, away um, on decision day. I mean, that's going to be tough. Um, I, I look at Inter Miami, you know, in early July. It's during Copa America, so I think Messi is not, unfortunately, going to be making it to Cincinnati. Um, yeah, I know. It's kind of a good thing, but we saw him last year. I was pumped to see that, um, you know, but at this point, I, I'm kind of rooting for us to not play against him <laughs> just uh, because, you know, they added Suarez and everything, too. So, uh, and then, like I was touching to, I really quick just wanted to touch on um, – you know, like I mentioned earlier, the Leaks Cup situation. So, you know, potentially our last home game or a game in general in the MLS um, in July, then we'll have this one month break until late August, um, which would be our next home game. So I think it's just ridiculous that there's this huge break again. Um, why not put Copa American Leaks Cup together? Um, you know, so you're not missing multiple people from these events and everything but um yeah I, I think that's my overall takeaway from the mls schedule drop um we can probably deep dive it way more if we wanted to but i don't think there's any reason to future i think videos. we're ready to yeah, future videos to knock yeah. it out so um moving on though another rumor that we saw um this week uh, i think it was a french reporter that put this one out Alvaro Barrial is rumored to be, I guess, scouted and possibly uh, transferred to RC Lens, Sam, in uh, Ligue 1 in France. So they're sitting at second um, last year, actually, at the end of the year behind PSG, but seventh this year. Um, if Barrial gets moved, his former club, Velez in uh, Argentina, would get 25 or up to 25% of the sale. So if he does get sold on, um, I hope it is for a higher price. I think the dude deserved it. He had an unbelievable year this year. Um, I would hate to see him go. He's become such a huge fan favorite, but um, there is a rumor that he sold his house in Cincinnati, so I think it's pretty much a done deal, just depending on which team it's going to be at this point. Yeah, I know he had been in talks you know, with, with IX as well. Um, those have seemed to kind of calm down a little bit as of recent, but um, yeah, RC Lens is now in Europa League. Um, they finished third in their Champions League group, so they'll be playing in Europa League. Uh, but yeah, the, the word on Twitter is that, or at least in Cincinnati's camp, that they pretty much recognize this as practically impossible for him to stay there for uh, 2024. And um, I also did also want to note, aside from the transfer possible news with Barrial, um, he fell short in his quest to the Puskas award as well. I know. So that was unfortunate to see. Yeah. Puskas, 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 Sam. Did yes. I say that right? Yeah. It was the, uh, yeah. the best goal in the world. Um, he was nominated for his goal against Pittsburgh in the U S open cup, more of a reason to keep the U S open cup. Um, only MLS player to be honored, you know, for that. Um, he didn't win the award, but still to be nominated. So, yeah, bummer that he didn't win that, but again, what a year he had. Um, 
again, I, I think I'd probably buy his jersey wherever he goes. I'm pretty pumped to see how he ascends and possibly into the Argentinian national team. I think that's he's right now on the cusp of making it. We'll see next year if he makes Copa America. Um, I wonder if they value that more um, if he does go to Europe. What do you think about that? Like if he does go Probably. to his team, Probably. do you think Argentina looks yeah. at him for Copa America? Yeah, I, I would assume so. Um, for the same reason that all the other national teams, like, you know, the U.S. men's national team does the same thing, right? True. Um, you know, all year this past summer and, you know, last year we were calling for Vasquez to get called up um, for the World Cup because he was putting on such, you know, a clinic in right. the MLS and, you know, he, he didn't get it right. So um, I think the MLS just isn't there yet. And speaking of Vasquez, um, to, yeah. to move on to more rumors, um, rumor is that Brentford is looking at him and have identified him as a key target for their striker search, which I thought was very interesting that they had noted that they are looking at gaining Vasquez on their roster, even if Ivan Tony stays as well, which Rumor is that he could be on the outs to either move to another club in Europe. I have also seen rumors that Tony wants to come to the MLS. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think the the word around Brentford and Ivan Tony is that he'll either leave in January or the summer window. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, those are two pieces I think that we can make a decent chunk of change on. I mean, Vasquez we got for almost nothing. So um, that'll be really interesting to see what happens with him. Um, Sam, you, you mentioned the breakaway episode on Apple TV to us in our chat. Um, and I went and watched it, you know, about Brandon Vasquez, um, you know, congrats to him and his wife. They're pregnant right now. Um, they're due, I think in February. So, uh, one thing I was thinking about is, you know, does he really want to make this move over to Europe right now when his wife's about to deliver here in, you know, two months? Um, I mean, I know things have to happen in for his career, like, now's the time to do it. But um, I don't know if, you know, maybe a team buys him and he moves on, you know, in the summer when the European schedule is their off season, you know, starts in about June or July. Um, I think that might be a possibility because of the circumstance. Maybe that pushes his transfer back a little bit and it might give FC Cincinnati more time to look for that other striker. Um, it would certainly help us because it seems like, you know, his ambition is still to go to Europe, but um, there is a lot of talk out there. You know, he didn't have a fantastic year in MLS overall. He still had 17 goals in I think like 30 games or more. Um, so he, he had a pretty solid year in terms of all competitions, but, um, that was just one thing that I noted from that breakaway episode is, is that situation. Yeah, I think, you know, him also getting looks that this past summer and even currently, um, he's still getting looks from Borussia uh, Gladbach in Germany. Um, so they're giving him, they got, they gave him a first look during the summer transfer window. Now they're, it seems like they're giving him a second look um, here probably for January. But then um, I remember I was going back in, you know, the summer stuff um, because we didn't know if we'd lose him then. Um, but Cruz Azul from Mexico had also mm -hmm. inquired about bringing Brandon Vasquez over to Mexico. Um, so, I don't know. Like you had said, his personal life might end up deciding where he goes in the next couple of months. We'll see. It'll be interesting. 
Um, I think that covers a lot of the news from this past week. Um, Sam, I got a good trivia question for you, though. Um, this question comes from, uh, you know, the U.S., um, or I should say a U.S., MLS Super Cup. So the, you know, um, actual draft process, this question is in relation to that. But what college is most represented by um, FC Cincinnati players of all time? And I'm, I'm talking more of the MLS players, not the USL players. Um, but which college is most represented? Yeah, I mean, you think of as of recent, right? Um, it's, it's easy to, to see that stuff. Right, because you've seen the the newest MLS draft picks since we you know we got into the MLS, so I'm familiar with those. However, I don't think there's maybe been like a repeat once, and it just happened. Um, and I, I think that was Dayton, but I think I'm gonna go with um, Indiana University. Okay, the, the I guess for bonus points, do you want to name any players that went there? No, I probably couldn't name it a second player after Celentano. Okay. All right. Um, I just know I just know the Hoosiers have a good program, so I'm going with it. Sounds good. Well, stay tuned to the end of the episode. We'll give you the answer for that trivia question. So Agility is a technology-driven soccer training facility. So we offer six facets of training. Uh, that would be Tech Touch uh, with ball launchers that work on your first touch, the TSZ, uh, which is the ESA equipment and working on decision-making. We also have a circuit. Uh, circuit training would be taking the ESA equipment to the next level. It's kind of like a soccer obstacle course. Then we offer neuroscience training with our reflection tools, uh, working on processing things a little bit faster and eye coordination and such. Uh, we offer skills classes, which is your typical coverage skills training. Um, lots of people still enjoy that. So we work on a lot of attacking 1v1 skills. And then we also offer athlete development. So our athletes come here and they work on speed, agility, uh, quickness, explosive movements, really just learning how to move and function a little bit better as an athlete. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for listening to our sponsor. We're here again in the off-season, but it doesn't feel like the off-season, Sam. We got a lot of news from this past week, which we touched on in part one. Part two, like I mentioned, this is going to be more of your typical roster breakdown. Um, like we mentioned, the roster decisions that come out, we had several guys, which I think we had touched on, that um, had options declined or might be in a little bit of limbo. Um, the way it stands right now, FC Cincinnati has a formation of a 5-3-2. So five defenders, three midfielders, and two strikers with the goalkeeper. Um, you could say the wingbacks are kind of like, you know, more wingers or outside backs that get forward. Um I think this system is something that FC had prior to um, Albright and Noonan. Um, and then they really kind of adapted it with some of these guys and fit the roles well last year. Um, Sam, I, I'm a little curious to see what happens this year, depending on guys that we bring in. Are we going to keep the 5-3-2 or are we going to switch over into a 4-4-2 diamond, meaning four defenders, for midfielders that kind of play in a diamond position and two strikers. Um, what are your initial thoughts on that? Yeah, I think you made a great point there. Um, it, it all depends on the pieces that are left after January um, and January specifically as, you know, the month to look at um, after that transfer window is done. Um, we'll see what position, what formation Pat decides to go with. Uh, but my best guess is, I know Laurel had talked about it a little bit 
Um, but my best guess would be that if Pat likes to play the four four two, um, chances are that is what he's trying to move towards. So okay. any moves that okay. we do make going forward, right? So if Vasquez is out or if Barrial is out, I think the biggest piece, to be honest with you, is Barrial. So if we move Barrial, I think we see Pat to start to make moves into that four four two um and kind of get rid of that that five three two thinking that we had from this past season. And so I think, yeah, in the coming months, he'll be making moves towards that for sure. Be interesting to see. Um, I think like, you know, how we played so well in this formation, like why switch away from that? Um, it's slightly different, you know, a four four two versus a five three two, just based on how your, you know, midfielders play versus the outside wingbacks. I think he does like that aspect of things if we have it. So to your point, you know, after kind of the dust settles at the end of um, January, we'll kind of see what we're left with and he'll probably make a better decision on that. It's probably too early to say is what I would chalk that up to. But as we currently saw it, um, I think we can both agree our, our best starting lineup by the end of the year was Vasquez and Bupenza uh, with Lucho behind them as attacking mid, Barrial as a wing back, Mourinho, Obi and Arias. And then a back three of Murphy, Niazga. Um, and then at the time, I would say, um, you know, Hagelin, because I think Mascara, you know, is gone pretty much for sure at this point. I wouldn't say maybe for sure, but it seems that way. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. And then Celentano. So from that, Sam, you know, the question marks that I had kind of put, um, if we count position wise here, Vasquez, question mark, Barial, question mark, Arias, question mark. You know, another center back question mark, Mourinho. You know, I, I think what is that? Five, I think I had highlighted five positions potentially from our starting lineup that we have question marks on right now. Um, so we have some guys on our bench that we would consider our bench that can start, but are they our level quality starters to, you know, not only win another supporter shield, but to go and win MLS Cup, to go win Leagues Cup? Um you know, that, that will be the interesting thing. Yeah. I think going forward, um, looking at just position by position, right. Obviously if Vasquez leaves, you bring in another stri striker to complement Bupenza or, I mean, does Brandon Vasquez leave and does that open up, you know, once again for another formation change, right? Could we see a four, three, three, right. Um, rather than a four, four, two, um, how does that look? Right. Um, because once again, in the midfield, we already nailed down Kubo. We have Obi, we have Acosta. Like, does that is that our midfield, right? Or do we right. add another piece? Um, or you know, Moreno comes back in, then it becomes you know a four four two. Um, I think it all depends on that. Um, and then obviously with Lucho, there's there's no um, position change on that. And then <laughs> out wide. You know, you had talked about Barrial, Moreno, Arias. Um, Arias definitely a guy we want to bring back. Um, Moreno, um, we had talked about in the previous episode, guy we want to bring back. Barrial is probably going to be gone. Um, but yeah, as far as on the bench, I think you could see guys like Baji probably not coming back if I had to guess. Mm -hmm. uh, um, guys like Kimi and, and Foster that are either going to be loaned out or just not going to continue at the club because. I think we wanted Kimi to be that that youth behind, you know, Brennan Vasquez, behind, you know, Brenner at the time, um, and now Bupenza. 
but he just has not lived up to that. Um, he, you know, it's early on. I think he's young season, still. He showed, but... Yeah, early in the season, he showed promise. You know, internationally, but it, it didn't really seem to translate. Um, even when he played for FC Cincinnati's uh, second team, but yeah, I think to that point, the biggest thing for me is if Barial moves on, if Vasquez moves on, I think it's a bigger deal if Vasquez moves on rather than Barial because of the striker position. I think we need more promising youth from those attacking positions. Yeah, good call. I mean, the guys you have on your bench uh, at the striker position, like you said earlier, I mean, Santos is kind of like a question mark. Um, Baji, you know, like you said, if he wants to play more minutes, like if Vasquez is gone, maybe early on before you find another striker, that's his opportunity to really cash in on that. And we saw when he did get the minutes, he actually did pretty well with them. He's versatile. He'll play a lot of different positions. Um, you mentioned one thing about, um, you know, Lucho and having Obi. Like you have your two, you know, midfielders for sure. Um, in my opinion, and kind of from a tactical standpoint, if you look at Lucho and the way he plays, um, he is a center attacking midfielder, but he drifts out wide. So you're kind of already creating a 4-3-3 in a way, Sam. You have two strikers, and then you do have Lucho towards the end of the games that he finds space out wide and can attack. Um, I think that's when we were able to wear down teams, to be honest with you. They couldn't you know, contend with Barial and Acosta attacking down, you know, their right side or our left side. Um, those two combining and wearing down that part of the defense is what really, you know, led to us doing well. Um, look at the times that Barial would go down, cross it, or would combine with Mourinho, combine with Acosta. So um, I think that Lucho in a two midfielder system doesn't work as well because he doesn't get back. Um, and you need that third person that is kind of like a shuttler. Um, so I don't think you'll ever see a traditional two center mid, but more of a diamond um, where you do have maybe one more midfielder that supports Acosta, but those other two midfielders besides Obi and Lucho can get maybe further wide to try to get more crosses in or tuck behind the forwards. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to use them in that sense. Um, and I think that is a little bit to our advantage with our roster, the current way it is. You know, we have Angulo that can play kind of a shuttler. We have Pinto that can play kind of a, you know, more forward role and back in defense, kind of more like a traditional six or defensive mid. Um, so it'll be interesting. I keep saying it'll be interesting, but it will be interesting to see if we do switch to that based on the way that we are currently structured. I think it makes more sense now that I'm looking at it too, Sam. Um, it's hard to find talent like Barial, like Arias to fill those wingback positions in play in a similar manner. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the more and more I look at it, I think you're right. Um, can Halsey, you know, fit in interim potentially, but he just hasn't had enough minutes. I feel more confident with having Pinto and Gulo Kubo come in and being that extra midfielder. Um, and maybe, you know, you have, more solid pieces in the back with if it's Miazga and Miles Robinson, I feel really good about those two in covering ground to, you know, be able to track down players and still have your outside backs. Um, so in that sense, I think, yeah, Sam, you, you might be right. We're onto something with the four, four, two and the diamond. Um, now, how does Kip Keller play into this? Well, I think he's more of a depth type center back piece. Um, if we go to, you know, four in the back, then, 
you probably drop Murphy, but again, just more depth that we needed in defense that we didn't have last year. Um, to, I guess, look at the roster, the current way it is set up, and with the depth we have, though, um, I would personally like to have another midfielder come in that is a good talent. Um, I think there was a rumor that um, a certain Colombian international player was interested in coming here, or I guess there was a potential that we reached out to. Um, it was a Brazilian team, I believe, Sam, um, Edward Etuesta, so former LAFC player um, who plays similar I don't know, a good, I guess, comparison. He is a traditional eight, so he gets up forward um, and attack a lot. I think he's more of an attacking eight. Had scored a lot of goals for LAFC. He was their captain at one point, so he's familiar with MLS. It would be awesome to have him come back into the team here um, and be in Colombian too. If we keep Arias, you know, that would be awesome. But that's kind of what I'm looking at um, the way it is right now. Now, again, we added somebody last week. We'll probably, let's be honest, add somebody in the next week too. And this will change how we look at things. I really wonder, um, Sam, I don't know if you can answer this. I believe that European teams can look at our players and start to formalize a transfer before January begins for their transfer window. Do you think that's correct? Yeah, there's there's no, I don't think it's like the NBA where, you know, there's tampering or different things like that, considering okay. that our season our season's done. Um they kind of have free will to talk, negotiate, um, be able to strategize for January. Gotcha. Appreciate the feedback on that one. Um, that being said, and the transfers that we'd want to look at, I mean, I'll move into it. Um, first player that I had kind of had my eyes on, uh, Kai Wagner. I mean, I said it before last several episodes, he would be an awesome replacement um, at left wing back for Barrial. It looks more unlikely that he is staying in MLS. It looks like he is looking at um, Red Star, I believe is the name of the team um, over in Belgium. Um, they're a Champions League side, so it would make sense for him to go there. Um the other person, though, I think that could be realistic is Kellen Acosta. I think he would require a little bit more money um, and may not fit our roster um, in the way that it fits currently. He is a little bit of an older player, but, you know, won MLS Cup with LAFC two years ago, made it to MLS Cup this past year, U.S. Uh, international player. I think he would be a nice fit if Mourinho is not brought back. Um, just brings loads of experience um, from the MLS, which would be awesome again to have. Um, Sam, I'll, we'll kind of go back and forth here. Who's a player that you would love to see come into the side? Yeah, you know, just to make sure that we have the the center back position bolstered up as much as we can. Obviously, it bit us in the butt um, when it came down to the wire um, at the end of the year, but. I think a guy like Donovan Pines um, from DC United um, should be a good add. Um, 25 years old, um, you know, started 21 games, three goals the past year. Um, and it's really interesting to see this guy, where he's come from, where he's kind of um, gone through. And the the point that we made earlier in the podcast, this guy came from college went to the USL championship with Luton town. Then he got into DC United um, and has kind of had, you know, that, that great 
kind of couple seasons with DC United. Um, he has the potential to be a really solid rotation guy, in my opinion, on the back line. Um, and, and in doing my little statistical research, <laughs> I saw that he has actually, he's in the 97th percentile in interceptions. Wow. So tackles, he's, he's really good at, but interceptions, similar to Mascara. That was something that I noted. Mascara was really big in interceptions, being able to track down players. Looks like Pines does the same thing. Yeah, I also had him on my list, um, and I let Sam kind of take it as well. I mean, we both had our eyes on it. He's a free agent. He'd come in on a lower salary um, the way it was currently set up. I think he made 200000 last year. So um, like Sam said, would be a nice rotational player in the back line if we do stay into a five-back system or three center backs. Um, he wouldn't have to cover as much ground as I think he did at um, D.C., so he might have even better numbers uh, with another supporting player in there. Um, I hear from some DC fans that he doesn't move as well. Um, definitely probably doesn't move as well as Mascara does, Sam, but uh, that's okay. Um, going from uh, Donovan Pines, though, another player that I had looked into, um, a guy that actually his contract's going to be running out at the end of this um, year. Um, coming from River Plate, in Argentina, he's a $4 million center back value on uh, transfer market. His name is Emmanuel Mamona. Um, he's 27 years old, a little bit older, I guess, in that sense, but has good experience playing. River Plate is a huge club down there. Um, I think, you know, would fit in well, obviously, with Lucho being Argentinian. If we do have Barrial, another Argentinian guy, we've seen how they've done in this club. He'd fit right in, would be an awesome guy to bring in. Um, I had researched him prior to us looking at Miles Robinson, putting him versus Miles. I think I'd probably say Miles just because he's got more continuity in the States. And I love to see our U.S. guys, um, you know, stay here and develop. Um, but I, I think that would be a, a cool guy to bring in. Yeah, I, I think that's a great shout um, as far as the, you know, the Latin culture um, would definitely jive with not only who we have, you know, in the midfield, but also, you know, across the, the back line as well, if Barrial stays. Um, but to kind of switch. <laughs> it all depends on if Barrial stays. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Then there'd be kind of a little bit of disconnect. But, um, yeah, moving towards the top of the pitch, um, I wanted to add, like I had talked about earlier, we needed some more youth um, in that mm -hmm. striker attacking positions. And I'm going to go with a guy. Um, who's currently playing in Venezuela in uh, Lufer Hernandez, who's actually playing for um, Puerto Cabello, 22 years old, um, can either play striker, center forward, um, so he can kind of play on the wing a little bit. 17 goals, three assists, and 25 appearances this past season. Wow. And I thought something that was you know really stood out to me is his value right now is only at 425k. So he really could be a steal for FC Cincinnati to go and get and a guy that you, I mean, he could be a developmental player, but it seems to show that, you know, he, he has caps for the Venezuelan U23 team. So it seems like he has a lot of experience under his belt. Um, I think he could be similar to the way that we developed Vasquez um, and once again could add much needed youth to that position. Yeah, I mean, great shout. I didn't realize um, he had that many goals and assists and only 25 appearances. You know, obviously the Venezuelan league isn't top tier, but still um, we've gotten some good players from there in the past. I think uh, Viasia, who's just a serviceable 
um, MLS guy had come from there. Um, I think we got Angua from Ecuador, so slightly different, but I would kind of put Venezuela and Ecuador at a similar level. Um, I, I didn't honestly really put my possible transfers around forwards. I know that's a shocker to you, Sam. I'm more of an attacking guy. Um, I'll have to go back and look at some other guys that we might be interested for that position. But um, for me, I had another center back um, coming from Houston. His name is Teenage Hadebe. I believe I said that hopefully correctly. Um, he's a free agent. Um, you know, he had 12 appearances, one goal last year with Houston. He is a little bit older. He's 28. I'm going to say a little bit older, <laughs> uh, compared to Sam's 22 though, for, you know, the guy he was mentioning, but, um, this guy, you know, ended up winning us open cup last year, um, has good experience, um, would be an, again, again, another guy in the center back role that would step in well, I think playing in MLS, um, so that that was the last guy that I had. Yeah, the I I think to your point, um, experience matters, especially when it comes to the back line. I think that's just what we're looking for. We have good young key pieces in Kip Keller and Ian Murphy. Um, so adding a guy with maybe some MLS experience would be you know pretty good um, as far as high up on the list. So that way he could just slot in real well, knows the league knows, you know, the players on the team, maybe played against FC Cincinnati at one point. Um, but my last guy that, that I'm going to go with. And once again, this is contingent on if Barrial leaves um, and that is Diego Palacios for LAFC. Um, I was really surprised to see that he was out of a contract, yeah. you know, 24 years old playing left back young experienced left back in the MLS at 24 years old. Um, this past season started 82% of the games he played in and, you know, he's a proven winner, right? And that's really what we need um, in the squad is guys who are proven winners and will go out and, and do it and have done it. Um, so 12 caps also with the Ecuador national team. So once again, this guy, um, he may be a little pricey. I think he's around four or five mil, um, but I think it'll be worth it, um, especially with the pedigree that he has. Good shout. Um, I think Palacios at one point had been rumored to go abroad to another team. Um, being 24, you know, it might be his time for that, but we'll convince him to come over and play for us. I think he'd fit in well here, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I was looking at Fords though. I just had to go back and kind of look at free agents um, that are out there. I mean, Gustavo Bo from New England, he's a little bit older, but great experience. Um, would he be a DP though at that point? Um, might require a little bit more money. That that would be another forward. Um, Julian Gressel, you know, I think would have been an awesome guy to bring in too as a wingback type player, but Inter Miami seems to be the top team that's looking at him actually, which is like, the rich get richer. Apparently. Um, I just don't understand where they find all the money and slots to put all these guys in, but um, it's crazy. Um, there wasn't a ton of forwards that were out there and available as free agents though. I think maybe Christian Ramirez from Columbus also was um, I'm not sure where he's rumored to go to, but um, yeah, I, I think the ones that we mentioned are guys that, you know, hopefully wouldn't it be incredible if, you know, they end up coming to us, at least one of these guys. Um, but I, I think I'm most excited um, about this rumor with Miles Robinson right now, just to fill a big gap and 
it's fresh on my mind from just that MLS, you know, semifinal game. Um, but again, a lot of what we're saying is contingent on what happens with Vasquez, what happens with Barrial. Those are the two big pieces that I think will kind of decide where we go from here. If we're going to be a serious team next year or not, you know, if he doesn't find the right guy, we've seen, you know, Chris Albright, he takes his time. He finds the right guy for the system. We will probably need Bupenza to contribute more if Vasquez does leave. Um, he did well in his limited time, but was so sporadic in his play. And I think if we just get him to play simpler, he would do better as well. Um, but maybe having a full training camp under his belt will help more continuity with the players that we have. Um, and more just, I think, understanding of what the coaches want. Um, what would you think, I guess, you know, from that standpoint about Bupenza? Yeah, I think, like I said, you know, Bupenza, he's going to need to step up, especially if Vasquez leaves. Um, and he's got to work better with Lucho, um, you know, early and and kind of throughout the, the season, the rest of the year, it was kind of choppy, right? To your point, his play was choppy, but his relationship with Lucho, um, having, you know, one-twos or being able to communicate, um, the way they both play, I think that's going to be crucial. And so hopefully having a full off season with FC Cincinnati and hopefully a full next season, he'll be able to develop more team chemistry. Cause I know that was a big thing. Um, you know, the latter part of the year was communication. He, you know, he yeah. didn't speak the same language as the guys. Right. right? So um, hopefully they'll get to know each other a little bit more. I have a question for you. You know, we did a pretty good roster breakdown the way that it currently stands. Um, Sam, my question to you is who is your breakout player that you're wanting to look out for, um, for next year? You know, it could be a young guy. It could be a guy that's maybe had a diminished role, but could have a bigger role next year. Who is a guy or maybe two guys that you're looking out for? Um, breakout. I mean, to be honest, to be honest with you, I, I think, and I really want to see Kip Keller do well. I, I think breakout, I mean, I know we just acquired him, but I feel like he could has yeah, he has the potential to reinvigorate his career. Um, and I know his career just started, right? So he was, you know, a top pick in the MLS super draft and didn't really work out too well with Austin. And now he's with us. So I, I think he has an opportunity to kind of learn from some veterans in the MLS like Miazga, like Haglin. Um, even, you know, Alvis Powell on, on the, you know, on the wing, a guy who plays right back, but also can do the center back thing. Um, I, I think him developing his own unique little position with FC Cincinnati, I'm looking forward to seeing that, um, you know, if we don't sign another center back, if he's our only guy, I, I think I have trust in him to, to become somebody good. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned it last episode, but how our coaching staff developed Ian Murphy, you know, to be in a huge leap and bound from last year. I'd say he had to be my breakout player from this past year. But um, besides Barrial, you know, we said that before, but Mur Murphy really stepped it up from where he was the year before, even from being later on in, you know, the super draft. So, um, yeah, our, our guys have really demonstrated the ability to train these guys, but it's a fresh start for Kip Keller. He's coming to, you know, like you said, a team where we have experience. We have some guys that have been in MLS for a while that can coach him and teach him in a three back center back system. Um, you know, maybe there's less on his shoulders too. And 
he can kind of distribute the ball around. He gets better coaching from some of the guys there. Instead of just a two-back system, I think he might flourish even more. Um, so good shout on that. My breakout guy that I would look out for, I'm going to actually put two. I'm going to do it joint with uh, Marco Angulo and Malik Pinto. I really think those two guys are ready to jump to the next level. Um, Pinto was top five in the league in sub appearances. Um, so he was really getting a lot of minutes at the end of the game, but he's ready, I think, to take the next level to start some games. We saw Angulo do that at some points too, and I would love to see him elevate his game, really show us that he's worth two and a half million um, and really just have more confidence. That That's the biggest thing that I would say is he lacked confidence at times. And I think having a full year under his belt, you know, now him being a little bit more acclimated to the uh, MLS, you know, might help him as well. We've seen how many guys come in in their first year, they don't do as well. Second year, year two for Marco Angulo is going to be huge, and I'm ready for a breakout from him. Yeah, good shouts, good shouts there in the midfield. Um, you know, we had discussed them last podcast about, you know, how promising they looked this past year and, you know, how we kind of foresee their future at FC Cincinnati becoming. Um, so good shouts there. I think an honorable mention would be Halsey, too, um, if he gets to play more minutes. Uh, he had about a solid month and a half where everyone was like, we love this guy and we want to see more of him. So hopefully that'll happen, too. But let's close it out here, Sam. Um, I have our trivia question again from earlier being, what college is most represented by FC Cincinnati, uh, the MLS players all time? And you locked in Indiana. Um, Indiana was second, actually. Wake Forest is number one. So Wake Forest, Demon Deacons, um, we've had four players, Corbin Bone, Chris Duvall, Logan Gadula, and Calvin Harris as our four players, um, you know, from Wake Forest. Indiana, um, we... <laughs> We had some good ones there. Eric Alexander, um, Gutman actually, you know, played there too. And Roman Salentano, Pat Noonan played at Indiana, but he's a coach. He's not a player. So, and oh, then, come on. Uh, that should count. That should count. <laughs> come on. <laughs> Dayton had two Sam. So, um, you know, we're, we're getting a couple of people for our flyers there. Um, but I wanted to kind of shout out Virginia. I didn't realize Virginia had such a good program back in the nineties and early two thousands. I don't know if you realize this too. No, new to me. So Virginia, uh, Derek Etienne and, uh, Brett Halsey both went to Virginia. So we had two, you know, MLS guys, but coaches, um, and like front office slash scouts, Chris Albright, Kenny arena and Hunter Freeman all went to Virginia and played soccer there. Um, and I think Freeman and arena, I think might've played together is what I was seeing. And then Albright and arena were like one year apart, but, um, three different guys in the front office or like coaching roles that all went to, uh, Virginia. So they must've had a really good program back then. I think they still do now, but not as good as some of the other ones lately. Yeah. ACC is always good in soccer. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that'll be a good roundup for this one. Um, thanks again for everyone for listening. We'll see what next week brings. I mean, yeah, we have more a, transfers a to come without yeah, a doubt. Absolutely. I mean, every single episode, next couple of weeks, we're probably going to be given 
a list of more players that we want to come in. More um, players so or I'd even probably reporting on guys that we're bringing in or, you know, may get transferred away at that point too. Um, Sam, the uh, last thing I wanted to mention is I believe tomorrow um, the re-entry draft uh, begins. So players that had their contracts declined. Um, and I think Arias is the one that I would look out for. Um, I know Mascara is, but he's technically on loan. So I don't think anyone can pick him up or was on loan, I should say. So Arias would be the one that we would look out for to see if somebody would snag from us in the re-entry draft. But um, I'm hoping that we can find a deal with him sooner than later before somebody else does. I wonder, though, if we try to get somebody in this process, though. Some other teams that had you know, their, their players declined, um, or I guess the teams declined their options or their contracts. Um, we'll find out next week. Yeah, I, I think this is the second phase of it, or is it first phase? I think it's the second. You might be right about that. Yeah, but anyway, we'll be rolling out more episodes this offseason. Uh, stay tuned, and thanks again for listening.